Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Seven oh seven inside sports. Brendan Ulrich with you. Patrick Bauer behind the glass. Kevin Carius from Global Edmonton will be uh, joining us in the studio. There he is. I was, <laughs> I was wondering how you were going to get in. I was all worried. I just texted you saying, Kevin, when you oh you have a key. See, I, I thought you did, but I wasn't sure. And I I know you know how to work this, so we'll get sure. It. There you go. I Can't get like, here any faster, Brent. That was pretty quick. Well, yeah. depends on the lights. There yeah. was a train today. Oh, what? Well, yeah, those trains are on. Slide down brutal. 51st Ave, you know. <laughs> but now I'm a little, you know, I ran up the stairs here. And, well, you're in good shape still. Oh, well, yeah. But as Halsey told me 20 years ago, never run to a microphone. Yes, he told me that too the first day I started. There you go. So his <laughs> only advice. It's yeah, no kidding. Well, he dresses good, so you can take a page from that book. I mean, exactly. for 82, he knows yep. how to dress. He's a sharp dressed man for sure. So what's going on with you? This is the first time I think I've ever done this with you in studio. I think so too, yeah. yeah. Uh, filling in for guys on the, I heard you this afternoon with, uh, yes, it's a global extravaganza. Yeah. The kids were in, Quinn and Jack, so. Yeah, that was the first time we've had them in a studio here, and I actually went to school with Jack, so uh, right. when I was in uh, radio, and he was in TV, and then uh, Quinn, I just said, hey, why not get her in? She's, uh, she's awesome, so. Yeah, it's something I got to put up with every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked them if they had any, you know, dirty stories on you. They no, they love they love working with you. They said you tell great stories. You're you're fun to deal with. So it, uh, went, it was okay. I give them the odd story from yesteryear when we had tape and things like that. You know, they kind of like that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's a different uh, different world here in terms of uh, how we operate on the radio, and uh, I'm sure you guys on TV as well. So no question about that. I mean. I mean, for me, I started in 1990, so we had still had three-quarter inch at that time. Okay. So, I mean, that I know you had probably never even heard of that. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, I mean, it was tough on the camera guys, because the camera guys, they had to lug those big machines around. They were heavy, heavy uh, cameras, so those guys were lugging those things. When they when they got the beta cams that came in, they were just happier. I mean, they couldn't. Be, they were ecstatic. I mean, they lost probably 25 pounds of, of gear that they had to haul around. No so, doubt, yeah. Anyways, um, I don't know. There's a lot to talk about. We have Dave Campbell coming on shortly from Ottawa. Uh, I just got a text here. I was interviewing uh, Rick Campbell, and during the interview, I was talking about Greg Ellingson, how good of a receiver he's become here in the CFL. And I said, you can make an argument that he's the best, but James says, texted in, Kevin, to say, come on, Brendan. Um, I take exception to that. We all know AB is the best in the CFL. He's been hurt this season, so that's maybe why I was giving Ellingson you know, the nod in terms of what he's done this year. He leads the league in our receiving mm-hmm. yards. But also, Brandon Zilstra. I mean, you can make an argument. He's the best receiver on the Eskimos right now. Well, he's made everyone forget very quickly about Darrell Walker. And, yeah. I mean, that, that was the biggest uh, off-season question, probably, that the Eskimos had. Uh, because everyone, when you had the one-two punch with Bowman and Walker last year, it was uh, phenomenal. And uh, Zilstra, you know, his numbers are just as good, if not better, than what uh, Walker put up in his first, uh, you know, six, eight, nine games and things like that. So um, hopefully he gets back in the lineup soon. The Eskimos need him. They're running out of guys. Yeah, he's on the one game uh, injured list. We won't play tomorrow night against Ottawa. Uh, I think they're taking, being precautionary with him because I was on the sidelines for the game against Hamlet. It looked like he was ready to get back out there uh, in the second, or just prior to the second half. Then he went to the dressing room, came back out without any equipment on, so he shut her down for the game. But I think he'll be okay. And uh, they get 
Uh, you know, Duke Williams back, although he is listed as third string on the depth charts. I don't know if he'll play tomorrow. This offensive line, though, it just keeps changing every game. Have you ever seen anything like this, Kevin? No, and well, not only that, just the whole ratio situation. Yeah. There, I don't, I don't recall a team being in uh, trouble ratio-wise at so many positions. Uh, than what we've been seeing with the Eskimos in the last couple of weeks, especially going in to Ottawa. I mean, when you look at it, you're now you're going to have three Canadian receivers tomorrow. You've got you have to bring in another American offensive lineman basically to start three and two on the O line with the American Canadian ratio. Uh, I mean, they they're an injury, a Canadian injury, another one away from being in serious serious trouble. And I mean, they, they've exhausted almost pretty well every area that they can plug guys in uh, for their Canadian talent. And it shows to, uh, I mean, how much depth they have. But, uh, boy, they're they're just walking. They're hanging by a thread when it comes to that. Well, yeah, they've done a good job mixing the race up in-game. Like, I know they started Getzlav yeah. last week, but they still found a way to get Kenny Stafford in at times when they could, when they switched mm-hmm. the race around throughout in-game. So it's amazing to watch uh, all the injuries, though, just insane. And uh, I was saying earlier... I picked the Eskimos to go 12-6 and six, uh, this season. I felt that was maybe more optimistic than a lot of the people out there making the prediction, but I just don't like how this is setting up for them tomorrow night in Ottawa based on everything that uh, the Red Blacks have went through this week. And maybe we could look back at Hamilton and say, okay, we, we sort of expected Hamilton to win that one based on everything that was happening, uh, the way they had that fight in practice, maybe a trap game for the Eskimos. But there, then there's this game against Ottawa with the leadership questions come into into the picture here and it's in Ottawa short week for the Eskimos who continue to have all these changes it, it seems like it's setting up for an Ottawa win but what do you think uh, will happen tomorrow night I can see your point you make some you know there's some valid points that Ottawa has lost a lot of close games yeah. Red Blacks have uh, you know they could have been just as easily one five and one right now they could just as easily be well they could easily easily be three three and one and uh, they could be a lot better than that. They have a good, still have a good football team. I mean, what Henry Burris did probably little, a little bit of a fire under the, the football team. Having said that, I mean the Eskimos um, still have that that um, it thing, whatever you want to call it. That this team is getting just enough done to win, and. I wouldn't, uh, you know, count them out by any stretch of the imagination tomorrow. They've still got some, you know, their their defensive line is bringing it better than any other defensive line pretty well in the league. Uh, That could be probably the key in my mind tomorrow if they can just keep quarterback pressure and keep the the rush on. uh, And they're going to have to play a a solid game on that defensive line if they have a, a, a decent chance to win. Yeah, the defensive line's been the one constant thing so far this season. As with far all as the injuries, injuries, yeah. And uh, at linebacker, Kenny Ladler's been really good Kenny, as well. he's been unreal. Like, if you were to look at, I mean, yeah, Mike Riley would be if you're going to go MVP and all that. But for Defensive Player of the Year right mm-hmm. now, he's hands down. Um, you know, a lot of people like how Odell Willis has been playing too. But in my mind, Kenny Ladler's just been phenomenal. He's been around the ball all the while. And especially when you think about all the injuries yeah. that they had at linebacker and what he's had to kind of take over the role. Yes, Corey Jones has done a lot of that too. But Kenny Ladler's been he's every there hasn't been a game where you didn't notice him a lot. Mm-hmm. And he has been that guy in, in the defensive uh, linebacking core that every time you see every time the Eskimos play, you notice what he does. And uh, he's been one of the keys for their defensive success this year. Uh, we have Dave Campbell coming up here shortly, so we'll continue with the Eskimo talk uh, at that time. Before we take this break, I want to ask you about 
the Wayne Gretzky trade. <laughs> uh, I've been talking about that a lot today, yeah. and Oilers now is talking about it. Uh, it's the 29th anniversary, so it's like, whatever. We talk about it every day, but there's no Oiler news to talk about. So we want to talk about hockey. Why not talk about that? Yeah, it's a weird uh, day for it. I, you know what? <laughs> uh, like, to say 29 years, you know, uh, well, le- next year there'll be a bigger yeah. thing because it's 30. But I, I was working highway construction okay. in Saskatchewan. And I was uh, on the side of a truck, hanging on to a truck, and the truck driver was telling me that this trade happened. And there was no way you believed it. And not only that, but being, like, you know, we were in the middle of nowhere for the whole summer, and you you, you barely, you didn't watch any TV. You li- would listen to the radio every once in a while. So you're kind of in no man's land as far as getting your information, especially back then. Think, I mean, you know, there's no internet. There's nothing like that. This thing comes out like on the radio and the truck driver's telling me and I'm thinking that it's like April Fool's Day because there's just no possible way that this could happen and then when you saw the pieces come down you kind of went wow you know and basically you know it was never a trade it was a sell and uh, but it changed the complexion of the game and it changed uh, what the NHL is in California and I mean that's all because of Wayne Gretzky going there with all of the success, all the Stanley Cups that uh, Anaheim has won and the Kings have won. That's all because of Wayne Gretzky and, and uh, when he went down there. That's It's that simple. Yeah, good point. And, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, the sale. I was... Uh I was calling it a trade, and people were texting in saying, I- I'm sick of you saying it's a trade. Call it a sale, so I'm changing stations. Like, people are getting mad at that. So, well, I mean, I wasn't even born, so I don't really, real, I, I don't really understand the magnitude of the trade uh, at that time and how people felt, I guess, is what I'm getting at. So yeah. that's why I keep asking people that were around, and it's just it, everyone keeps saying the same thing. They were in shock and surprised and mad, angry, frustrated. You can why go, is this happening? Yeah, you can go into a lot of the uh, archives if you watch, uh, you know, at Global or back then ITV and then even, you know, the CTV and CBC archives in, in Edmonton. And when you, and a lot of that stuff was in that documentary, the 30 for 30 documentary, mm-hmm. like, because they King's used Ransom, it. Ransom, I think King's it was Ransom, called, yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter Berg grabbed a lot of the video from here because that was, you know, where the video was. So, I mean, you look at so many people and fans that were so mad. And, I mean, you saw the Pocklington, you know, the burning and effigy and all that stuff. And, I mean... <laughs> I mean, it just was it was unfathomable to think that, you know, a guy in the prime of his career could get sold for 15 million bucks and a whole whack of draft picks and a couple of players too, so. Well, the good news is the others have Connor McDavid locked up for the next uh, nine seasons, so hopefully <laughs> and, you don't have to worry about anything like that happening again. It's funny, and, you know, like, it's, yeah, if Connor McDavid plays out his entire contract, he'll play more years in an Oilers jersey than Wayne Gretzky did. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, 717 Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. We have Dave Campbell coming up from Ottawa. Kevin Carius in studio with us here on Inside Sports. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Brandon Ulrich on 630 Chad. That one was even smoother than the last one there, Patrick. Nice work. Practicing the craft, yep. <laughs> Adarius Bowman bringing us back. We were just chatting about Adarius Bowman. Uh, Kevin Carius in studio. Dave Campbell out in Ottawa. So we'll bring Dave aboard here and we'll do a bit of a roundtable segment. Uh, Dave, what's going on in Ottawa? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, Dave. Nice to hear your voice again. Same here, buddy. Uh, I don't know if you could hear it in the background. Well, it's actually got quiet now, but uh, they're shooting off some fireworks uh, near the hotel here. Of course, it's at, at a spot where I can't see it from my window, so that's really that's like trolling. 
so you know it's it's uh, it's a nice night here. It's uh, not crazy humid like it can get. Uh, tomorrow they're calling for uh, thunderstorms. Uh, what else is new? A red black game day in Ottawa that calls for thunderstorms or rain. So I don't know if this team leads the league in rain in rain games, but uh, I've been here for three rain games and and a snow game. So uh, yeah, we're looking forward to a good one. Hopefully tomorrow. Well, speaking of all the rain, I was just talking with Kevin about this earlier, how this is sort of a shaping up as the perfect storm for uh, Ottawa, how everything's sort of, uh, you know, every, the Eskimos continue to have all these uh, injuries. Um, Ottawa seems to be, or has some extra motivation, I guess, with what Henry Burris was saying uh, with those Twitter comments and uh, how it seems to maybe be something they can use as extra motivation here. And, uh, I mean, Ottawa needs a win. They're not out of it in the East by yeah. any means, but they need a, a win here against the Eskimos. Yeah, they do, and, and and all those factors you talked about, Brendan. I mean, it it, it it definitely points to. I don't know if it points to a red black win, because unlike the Eskimos, who could be in the same situation as Ottawa, uh, they have found a way to make those four or five plays a game that allows them to win the game instead of what the Red Blacks are doing is not making those plays at, at critical times. So. But, yeah, the Eskimos are banged up again. they got five more players on their injured list. Now, they get five players back, so they're even, unlike last week when I think they only got one or two players back from injured and they had a slew of players go on the sixth game. Uh, so you got that and Henry Burris' comments, which has uh, been a hot topic of discussion and uh, controversy here as well. Uh, why did he say it? Did he need to say it? Was, was Henry Burris speaking out of turn, that sort of thing? Uh, and the fact of the Red Blacks, I mean, they've been so close, like we talked about. They're the first team, uh, what's the stat here, first team in CFL history, uh, or the only team in CFL history, to have uh, each of their first seven games in a season all decided by five points or fewer, and they're 1-5-1. One, and one. So uh, this is a talented Red Blacks team. I think you can probably say you can question whether they're a good team at this point because good teams find a way to win. But uh, the Eskimos barely escaped with a win last week against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and you got to think that tomorrow's game is going to be uh, a real challenge for them just because of all, the, all those injuries. And it hasn't been a factor because of the depth, but now the depth's being really tested, and uh, I think we'll get a good test tomorrow. Hey, Dave, have you seen a team, especially the Eskimos, but a team just hanging on with the, uh, you mentioned depth, but with the ratio factor, just because they've had to bring in guys, now they got, they're got they going to have the three Canadian wide receivers with Shamad Chambers, change up the offensive line. Uh, have you seen anything like this before? Uh, honestly, I, I haven't. And it, it's funny, I was looking at the notes today, and uh, the Eskimos have lost uh, or have had 27 players uh, go on IR for at least one game. And last year they had 33 uh, or 34 all of last season. And last year, or last week, they had 20 players on their injured list. So I've never seen it like this. And like you say, uh, Kevin, they've had to really play with the ratio. And it's going to happen again tomorrow because they're going to have to play three American offensive linemen. They're going to play with two Canadian or three Canadian receivers. And at times, you're going to see Kenny Stafford into the mix. But to, in order to do that, they have to take their starting running back, Ladarius Perkins, off and put in Calvin McCarty as the feature back on offense they have three americans so they've been substituting like crazy especially on the defensive side of things because on first down you'll see the will linebacker christoph malamba chumanga on first down then you'll see him uh sub off and they'll put in kwaku botang on at defensive end and then they'll put in alex hoffman ellis at will linebacker or they'll put in a chris edwards uh, as an extra man in the, in the secondary so you know it's been a phenomenal job by jason moss and the coaching staff to uh, prepare for this as best as they can and then to see all the substitutions within a game 
I mean, it's been so fluid. I've never seen a coaching uh, job done as well as I have seen Jason Moss do it over the first six games. Yeah, it's been uh, sensational, all the changes on the fly-in game. Uh, we were talking about Kenny Ladler a little earlier. He's been the one constant at linebacker, but you look at all the injuries that linebacker throughout the season. He's had, like, what, four or five different guys he's been paired up with in terms of the linebacking corps so far this season. So yeah. can you just maybe talk about the job that he's done and how he's become one of the leaders here in a short period of time with the Eskimos, just his second season with the Green and Gold? Yeah, and let's go through the list. I mean, J.C. Sherritt, now it's Corey Jones, have been a linebacker. It's Christoph Malama Chimanga now the starting will linebacker. They're four deep there. Uh, Corey Greenway, we don't really count because he was hurt game two in, or, or uh, day two at training camp. You have Adam Konar, you have Blair Smith. He's played with a lot of players uh, in that linebacking core. And also remember, he's a nickel. He's a nickelback. So on passing situation, he becomes a defensive back. You know, and he's worked with Arjun Colhoun. He has worked with Mercy Maston. He's worked with Gary Peters. He's worked with a lot of guys back there. Two safeties, Neil King and Josh Woodman. But he's been phenomenal, and uh, there's a real debate going on, I think, right now uh, that who is the leading candidate for most outstanding defensive player from an Eskimo perspective? Is it Ladler? Is it Odell Willis? Uh, Ladler's right up there when it comes to total defensive plays. I think he's top five. Uh, he's been phenomenal, and uh, and for him just to keep doing what he's doing uh, and and playing with so many new players beside him and for, uh, you know and, and behind him, that sort of thing, and to work together with the communication and the cohesion it's been it's been quite impressive but he's a player ever since labor day last uh, season in calgary uh when he uh, had a pick six he's been he's been lights out good dave you mentioned the receivers going to have a different look with uh, shamad chambers coming in what will you expect to see from him tomorrow that's the that's a great question kevin and I, i'm not sure you know he was a high profile signing just because Eskimo fans are aware of Shamat Chambers. We know what his year like was last year in, in Saskatchewan. He basically, you know, didn't like that year. Um, you know, he came back with a lot of fanfare. He hurts his hamstring in the first week of training camp, and he works his way back. It, you know, what are we going to see from him? That, that's a really good question. And I find it interesting that he's going to be in the slot because we're usually used to seeing him as a wide receiver, either on the short side or the wide side of the field. So, but I tell you what, Shamont Chambers has to be really excited about the situation. And not that you want to, you know, go in through an injury, but it's football. That's how you oftentimes get your playing time and your, and your chance to play. So I think this is big for him. He's got to show that he can be reliable, he can be productive, and he can be a, a target uh, and a reliable target for, uh, for Mike Riley. And they, those two do have some chemistry. They played together in, in 2013, 14, and 15. So, and he's a veteran. So... And I've seen a different Shamat Chambers this year than I've ever seen before. He's grown up, he's more mature, he's more looking like a leader, but he's got to prove it on the field. Dave, thanks for checking in. Uh, we need to let you go, but I know you'll be back uh, for the countdown to kickoff tomorrow at 4 o'clock and uh, kickoff at 5.30 here at, on 6.30, Chad. Look forward to it, fellas. Eskimos trying to go 7-0 for the first time in 57 years, or 56 years, excuse me. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Super Dave. All right. <laughs> That's the producer of this show, Dave Campbell, Eskimos analyst, uh, taking some time from Ottawa. It's 7.29 in Edmonton. Kevin's uh, going to stick around until 8, but we have uh, some racers coming in studio as well. We'll talk a little bit about racing, uh, NFL preseason's going on. We'll talk maybe a little bit about that with Kevin after the break. We'll continue down there to the football theme. I don't know. There's nothing really to talk about in the hockey world, so we'll continue talking to other sports when we return here on Inside Sports. 
This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Brendan Ulrich on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Here on Inside Sports, 735 in Edmonton. Brendan Ulrich with you. Kevin Carius here as well. Uh, we're going to talk racing here in a little bit. We have local drivers, Ian Admiral and Kelly Admiral with Admiral Racing in studio uh, in five or so minutes uh, to talk about Blackjacks 200 this weekend at the Edmonton International Raceway in Wetaskiwin. You a big uh, racing guy, Kevin? I like, you know what, even like it's a huge racing week in Edmonton. You know, tonight and uh, later this... To me, the highlight's always the artist at uh, Castrol, and then at ERI, you got that coming up this week too. So, I mean, between the two tracks in, in town, I mean, that's some great racing. And I mean, there's more people that go to these races than you can imagine, and they are diehard fans. I mean, you know, if you look at all racing fans, they are really, really diehard fans. So um, I don't get out to it as much. I've been out to, to both tracks, and I've enjoyed both times I was there. Awesome. So each time. Yeah, I, my dad's a big NASCAR fan, but I never really have gotten into racing. Uh, we went to the, when the Formula One races used to come to mm-hmm. Edmonton, I would go to those as a kid. Those are pretty cool. Well, and I, I did a lot of work uh, hosting all the national shows when they had the Indy here. The Indy, yes. before it was, well, it was Champ Car for the first few mm-hmm. years, and then it went into Indy. So I got to know a lot of those drivers, and I actually, one time I ended up in the pit with uh, Bruno Junquera, and I was running the lollipop in the pit, oh, which wow. was a lot of fun. I, uh, You know, I know that you can't really mess it up, uh, but it was still fun. I, You know, you, you're in the fire suit, you got the sunglasses on, and it's like 40 above down, you know, on, on pit lane. But just to see all the, the drivers and see how the teams come together, it's really... Uh, it's a really good team atmosphere, and it's it's very exciting to be a part of. Uh, what other sports are you watching uh, these days? You're a big baseball guy, yeah, I take it? I like, well, obviously everyone watches the Jays and try to keep pulling for the Jays. Having said that, I've been a Yankee fan since 1977, and uh, so I'm more partial to the Yankees uh, as far as uh, long-term fan goes. But uh, love being in, we're, I'm in a National League baseball fantasy draft, been in one for about... 16 years with a lot of guys uh, in Edmonton for a long time so that's a lot of fun and when, when you're in a na- just a National League baseball or American e- either or and you have that many teams you're you have to pretty well know every player on every team mm-hmm. because you're not there's only you know when you got a 26 man roster in fantasy baseball you're basically using every player up that's on a on a roster you're you know you're getting into uh setup man for your pitching staff you're getting into a fifth or sixth starter you have to keep an eye obviously on all the waiver wires and you have to keep an eye on if there's anybody getting called up from the minor league so uh you have to really know your stuff when it comes just to a, a one league uh, fantasy baseball yeah, it's almost like a second job playing fantasy sports. I mean, I play a lot of fantasy football, and yeah. it's like, oh, my God, I'm the commissioner in, like, three leagues, and I like, I'm in, like, five so leagues. You do so you do more NFL? or Yeah, you, more NFL. Yeah. I, I like that it's week to week. As you talk about the baseball, it's a long grind. There's so many games, so you have to follow that very closely. Every day. Through, yeah. if, you don't, if you get off track for a little while, and even if you're, like, I, I've kind of been lucky. I've got I had some good pickups at the draft, and I've had a couple decent waiver wire, so I'm, I'm actually in first place. So, you know, I have a, a pretty good interest in <laughs> this last 
you know, 45, 50 games. So you have to really keep an eye on on, on the guys that are charged. Because, you know, now everyone's ganging up on you. They want to make trades. They want to, you know, try to uh, pull closer to you as far as, uh, you know, other other teams will offer up a lollipop to a guy and say, here, take this guy for virtually nothing, only just to get under your skin and to make sure that, you know, that there will be a race coming down in the last month and a half here. Well, that's the thing. If if you get out of it, if you're out of it early in a baseball league or a hockey, you're like, yeah, I don't, you lose interest. You have basically three or four months of nothing. Yeah. So you might as well not even pay attention to anything. Well, that's why I like the daily fantasy sports. Do you ever play DraftKings? Or I mean, I play yeah. for the CFL. I play for golf. I, I, I'm i basically addicted to it. But. Yeah, I've played lots of it. Just NFL. Yeah, NFL. Uh, so so love DraftKings and, uh, well, FanDuel. Yeah. So I, those two companies merged, yeah, and then they, they then something happened. I, was there I don't know the, what's going on, but I, I just play DraftKings. Yeah, so I, I'm going to be interesting to see exactly what happens uh, with the two together because... Uh, Every Sunday morning, you're getting your team together and having that salary cap. Yeah, uh, you try to find that guy for forty five hundred or fifty five hundred bucks and try to sneak him in there. So <laughs> that's what happened every Sunday. Following Adam Schefter on Twitter, seeing who's in and who's out, what exactly. guys you can get in there. So yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, we mentioned the Blue Jays. We need to get to our Action Furnace, a scoreboard update. Home of the fixed right are its free guarantee. Visit acts or visit actionfurnace.ca. The Blue Jays have clawed their way back. Last time we checked in, it was 6-2. It's now 6-5, top of the seventh inning. Uh, the Yankees are up to bat, though. Um, did you see what happened? I think Batista hit a home run. Uh, you know what? My back was to the screen here, so I didn't really see. But, you know, Toronto, I, I was watching this game since uh, the beginning, and um, they had a kind of a younger pitcher that came up, uh, Tepsha. And uh, I think I got his name right. But anyway. I think so. Yeah, Sounds so right to me. He was, he was throwing quite well and got in a little bit of trouble. And I, he, I think he got knocked out in the fifth inning. But um, Yankees have some power. I mean, they were drilling out home runs left and right. And, I mean, you think about how poor Judge has been since basically the All Star break, where he's hitting about a buck seventy five, and his average is still at about two ninety five. And I think he has what thirty six or thirty seven dingers. So, I mean, they have so much power. And and when you get a guy like Judge coming out of nowhere, but he wasn't probably even scheduled to make the team in training camp in spring training, but he came on so hard. Uh, at the end of uh, spring training and obviously just tore the cover off the ball in the first half of the season. But, you know, they've got obviously a lot of depth and a lot of, you know, um, Sanchez has got close to 20 home runs. Gregorius is a pretty good hitting shortstop, you know, for, for New York. And they, they have more depth this year than they've had in a long time. Uh, it's kind of strange. In years past, the Yankees have always gone out at the deadline and made a big splash with a lot of guys. This, this year, they didn't do a lot just picking up Sonny Gray, and then they picked up uh, Garcia, that uh, Jamie Garcia, uh, his second trade in about a week for him. But so they they have uh, enough uh, horses here to pull, get closer to Boston. I think we, we were just saying four back of the yeah. Red Sox in the AL East, but it's a tough division. I mean, Tampa's still playing well, and I mean Baltimore has some pretty good players as well, and the Jays are just kind of keeping their heads above water. Uh, you mentioned the struggles for Aaron Judge. He just popped out for uh, the first out of the inning. Now the, the Blue Jays have two gone here uh, in the uh, top of the seventh against the Yankees. Yeah, what do you do with the Blue Jays here? I mean, they need to blow it up, basically. Um, I disagree. You, I, don't, you, you know, don't think like, so? What do you want to... Like, you can't... You, you trade uh, a guy like Donaldson, so that doesn't make your team any better. It makes it so much worse. Um that's a good point because they still need guys to play. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean. Strowman's a great pitcher. I mean, as soon as he's a premier closer in the league, 
I mean, Smoke is having a career year. Uh, I mean, I think they probably have to cut ties with Bautista. Yeah. Um, but other than that, they still have. I mean, Jay Happ. And the, here's the difference, and you, you can liken this to the Oilers situation. Last year, the Blue Jays had career years from pretty well everyone in their starting rotation and a lot of guys offensively. They also had very few injuries. What did the Oilers do last year? They had career years from six guys off the top of your head you can mention. Bang, 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 bang. Injuries weren't really a factor for the team. So when you look at next year, that's one of the things where the Oilers could fall back a little bit. You take a, you know, th- three guys pull back their stats, a few injuries here and there. Uh, it's it, it's just a, it's very tough on a team to have that continued success year after year. It's uh, 7.44 in Edmonton. We'll take our final time out. When we come back, we'll be joined in studio by local drivers Ian and Kelly Admiral with Admiral Racing to set up Blackjack's 200 this weekend at the Edmonton International Raceway in Wetaska. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Brendan Allred on 6.30 Chet. All right, back here on Inside Sports. Yes, Brendan Ulrich in for Reed Wilkins tonight. Kevin Carius in the studio as well. And we're joined by local drivers, Ian Admiral and Kelly Admiral, with Admiral Racing. Welcome to Inside Sports, guys. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Thanks for having us. Oh, uh, yeah, this is awesome. So uh, as Kevin and we were just talking off the air, it's a big weekend here for racing. Tell me about uh, the Blackjack 200 event, uh, what this is all about, and how excited everyone should be for this event. Um, well, the Blackjacks uh, 200, it's at uh, Edmonton International Raceway in Wetaskiwin. Um, it's going to be one of the biggest super late model races we've had out west in a very long time. Um, racing starts at 6, gates open at 4 o'clock. There's a ton of other classes that are going to be racing. And um, not only that, things are going to be getting kicked off Friday night at the Blackjacks Roadhouse. Um, there's going to be uh, show and shine, driver introductions, and um, also a silent auction. And that too, uh, doors open at seven at, or six, and uh, the show starts at seven thirty. Ian, when you talk about the, all the models, the the hardest thing for us in the media is that we have a tough time keeping track of all the models and all the series. Uh, yeah. Can you kind of describe the differences, but what what you guys will be racing compared to, I guess, what we would see on TV and things like that? For sure, yeah. Typically, a lot of people when they think stock cars, they think of NASCAR. And so this series is not affiliated with NASCAR, so we don't have the same regulation as NASCAR. So uh, technology moves really quickly in these super late models. These are really close to unrestricted. Really the rules are there for driver safety and um, cutting expenses Mm -hmm. so that it's not just the biggest checkbook wins. So these are gonna look a little bit different than the NASCARs that you see on TV. Same same concept for the cars. They're gonna be a little bit lower to the ground though. Um, they're not quite as tall and they're quite a bit faster because of that deregulation. So it's, it's gonna be a really cool event. These are a lot faster than anything else that runs at this racetrack. They're faster than the NASCAR Pinty series. It's going to be a great show. And they're they're faster because they're lighter too, right? Because they're all all, all basically uh, fiberglass? That's right, yeah, yeah. fiberglass bodies. Um, NASCAR has started bringing in fiberglass bodies, but they've got a really large minimum weight restriction to the cars. So these are going to be about 600 pounds lighter than the other cars that we've been running there. 
I might have to let Kevin take the lead on this. He seems to know a lot about racing. I'm no, learning. I'm, say I'm that. all ears trying to learn here uh, on what uh, this is all about. But tell me more about the Admiral Racing brand. This is the type of events you guys participate in. How long you guys have been racing for that sort of thing? Yeah, well, uh, myself, I've been racing since I was seven years old. So that's uh, wow, 17 years now, and. Um, I've been racing, drag racing, uh, and oval racing just for a short time now, but we grew up racing, and we've run a lot of different types of race cars. We've run a lot of different series within NASCAR as well. Um, I was just running the NASCAR Pinty Series two weeks ago, also at Edmonton International Raceway for the Luxor 300. Um, Kelly has quite a bit more NASCAR experience than I do. He spent a lot of years touring in the States for NASCAR. Um, but his his experience is quite in depth there as well. Yeah, so I started uh, started racing uh, on the dirt at Castro Raceway. Raced there for a lot of years, and actually had my first pavement oval race at uh, the Edmonton International Raceway. And uh, you know things just started picking up a bit, um, and transitioned down into uh, racing in uh, the U.S. in the NASCAR Canaan Pro Series West. Um, I also did uh, a few races in the NASCAR Xfinity Series and um, have done a lot of super late model racing up in Canada as well. You were mentioning, uh, Ian, about the team with, hopefully the team that with the deepest pockets doesn't always win. How do you guys finance this? Because it's not exactly the the cheapest sport to get into. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're uh, quite heavily self-funded, but we do have a, a few really great partners. Um, one of which is actually Kelly's full-time employer, Young's Tree Services, and they've been on board now for two years, and they've been a, a huge help in, in getting us to the racetrack week in and week out. Kelly, you want to tell them about Young's? Yeah, Young's Tree Service, um, they're a great uh, great company. They're based in Beaumont, um, but they'll do work for anyone in the Edmonton greater area and surrounding area. Um, they do a lot of uh, tree removal, residential and commercial um, pruning, trimming, and uh, planting, and basically any arborist needs you you got. You have to have massive sponsorship to to kind of keep this going, though, like year after year, don't you? You know what the the initial cost getting into racing can be quite expensive. You know, buying the cars or building them as we do um, can be quite expensive. But the day to day racing, it, it can it can be quite easy to finance. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at this level because there isn't so much regulation you know with NASCAR stuff there's a a lot of money spent on things that are you know the only part approved by NASCAR but in super late models you can use just about anything so there's a lot of cheaper alternatives that are not necessarily worse so it's really great for the the guys who don't have infinite funding behind them to be really competitive you'll see a lot of cars this weekend that do not have huge sponsorship Mm -hmm. behind them that are gonna run really well. Hmm. Well, it sounds like you have a big passion for the sport as well. You said you started racing at seven. Is that even legal? Like, where did the passion and the, the <laughs> love karts, for- man. Yeah, where did the go-karts, there you go. <laughs> but th- you, your dad get you into this, or where did it all start? Yeah, our family uh, really loved racing, and I don't know what seven-year-old kid doesn't love race cars, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, you know, as a kid going to the racetrack, something we always wanted to do, and uh, we got the opportunity to do that from a young age, which, just kept us in the sport then you know and, and slowly stepped up more and more every year and, and got into bigger cars faster cars and picked up the knowledge behind it as well same thing for you kelly there or? yeah yeah same thing um i mean yeah it's really just been about uh really been family focused the whole time um 
you know, I can't uh, can't really think of a lot of families that spend this much time together. I mean, racing takes up a lot of a lot of time, and we get to do that with our family, and we're really blessed with that. And that just adds to the passion that is racing. What's the the passion like with Edmonton race fans? Because, I mean, you look at uh, you know we were just talking a little earlier at Castrol is a big week for them with Hot August Night tonight, and then some events, you know, into the weekend, and then in Wetaskiwin for for uh, the Blackjacks. So. Like I mean, there's you're literally going to have thousands and thousands of fans at each venue. Where where's the Edmonton race fan community like? What's the community like as far as support goes? It's a great community. I mean, it's it's something so cool to go to a racetrack and see kids coming up there, um, and then they'll keep going. You know, it's one of those things where kids won't always continue going to the carnival as they get older but they seem to keep going to the racetrack and then they'll bring their kids and so the the racing community has been so great up here um this seems to be an excellent market for it in canada uh, edmonton and you know all of alberta seems to really support racetracks really enjoy seeing racing um and so it's been it's been really cool getting to see the different venues and in different places all over North America as we've been traveling for racing and really gain an appreciation for Edmonton's community. Well, where do you guys hope to take this uh, in terms of this career uh, of racing? Like, what's next in your guys' st- ladder of the career? What's next? Well, I mean, ideally, the end goal would be to uh, be racing NASCAR full time. You know, in in the top tier. I mean, it, you know, it's the same as hockey kids; they don't want to. <laughs> play in the minors their whole life um you know they want to you know make it to the nhl and honestly that's that's the end goal is just to you know keep plugging away keep uh you know uh trying to win races and uh gaining that experience and just being better um yeah i think yeah that'd be our our goal our focus uh moving moving forward yeah, that yeah. attitude is probably what took Kelly to much higher levels in racing than it took me. Because I, I feel like I've made it. This is it. I mean, you know, we we get to race these late models, and, and I just love the competition. And I love getting to race close to home. You know, like Kelly was saying, our whole family gets to do this. And, and we get to spend so much time together. My brothers, my cousins are on the team. Everybody who's on the team who's not an immediate family member is immediately family. I mean... God's been so good to us, letting us do this, you know, as a family. And I don't know anyone else at 24 years old who spends this much time with their family. We're together almost daily and spend just about every weekend together. You have one more, Kevin? No, I just, maybe just when, when's the times of the races and stuff, just so you yeah. can let everyone know. Absolutely, yeah. The uh, So gates open at 4 o'clock at Edmonton International Raceway. And this is on Friday, right? This is on Saturday. Saturday, okay. But Friday, there's that the other thing too, right? That's right, yeah. Okay. Blackjack's Roadhouse. We're doing a show and shine. So we'll be out there. A bunch of other drivers will be out there. Cars will be there. Uh, they're going to have live music. And for that, doors open at 6 o'clock. And uh, the show gets going about 7.30. We're going to be practicing on Friday beforehand. So that's why <laughs> they're giving us a bit of time to get Perfect. back to Blackjack's. And then on Saturday... Yeah, gates open at 4 o'clock, qualifying's at 5, and racing starts at 6. Wow. Well, thanks for uh, stopping by, guys. We'll have to do this again soon. I, I learned a lot in that short period of time, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners did as well. Hopefully, uh, we'll get some more fans out there for you this weekend. Sounds yeah, great. Thank yeah, you very good much. Luck to, good luck this weekend, guys. Thank you.
And Kevin, thanks for hey. uh, sliding by as you do every Wednesday here you on Inside Sports. Yeah. Uh, Reed Wilkins will be back next Wednesday, so you'll be in luck there. But you might be joining me tomorrow on Oilers Now as well. We'll see uh, how that goes. Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> tough getting over here every day. <laughs> yeah, what, what side of the city do you live in? Well, you I, must I, live pretty close, yeah. I, I can only... I get, I get off work at 7 o'clock, not just on lunch break at 7, come here for 7.07. <laughs> I should be racing with these guys. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, tomorrow night in this time slot, we have the Eskimo game. The uh, Eskimos at Ottawa. Four o'clock countdown to kickoff. 6.30. Uh, officially the kickoff as the Eskimos look to go to 7. And oh, that's a wrap from Inside Sports. We'll be back with Oilers now tomorrow. So long.